cliffcentral.com. Yeah, good morning, everybody. Tuesday, she's a coming. She's a here. Mm-hmm. Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> good morning. <laughs> good morning, Jack Matante. How are you? I'm fantastic, big guy. How are you doing? <laughs> I have no complaints at all. Yeah, man. It's a good day. It's a good day to have a good day. Yeah. We, we, t- yeah. I feel like I'm a bit too blessed to be stressed right now. <laughs> yeah, I think there are a lot of people who don't feel that way waking up first thing in the morning, but you've got to get your head right. And that's up. That's all up to you. That's on you. Yeah. You know? Like we, we're literally presented with a choice every morning as to whether or not we're going to have a good day. And yeah, I'm actively choosing to have a good day this mo- uh, today, rather. Fuck yeah. All mm. right. I like it. Mm. Let's move. Let's uh, get this uh, plane off the ground. Yes, sir. All right. So, um, you start your morning this morning. We got lots uh, to uh, to get excited about. So first things first. Uh, tomorrow, of course, we have our interview of the week. This is where I get to talk to someone somewhere in the world who's doing interesting things, who's got interesting opinions, who's changing the world in some small or big way. And really, tomorrow. Uh, you'll get to hear from somebody who I have wanted to have on the show for a very long time. You know, the list of people who I'm desperate to interview, yeah, but like desperate is is not that long. Um, but it's filled with people who, you know, for for like eight nine years, I've been looking at them, going, "Hmm, this is somebody I really need to talk to." Yeah. So we, we we're speaking to a guy tomorrow called Brendan O'Neill. And if you don't know who he is, he he formerly was the editor of Spiked Online, which is a publication in, oh, fuck, we're not even live. This is irritating. Basically been talking to ourselves. Oh, wow. Hang on. Hi, hi embarrassing. We started the show. <laughs> we started the show and we weren't even live. So my apologies, wow. everybody. Hey, man, these mistakes right, happen. It now. happens. It happens. It happens. Yeah. How shocking. All those people we've let down. Aren't you embarrassed and and and... Like hang dog, you know. In the light I, of all of this, I, I feel like pass, passing the buck this morning. I didn't press a single button. This is your fault. Oh, it's not <laughs> all my fault. Oh my god, I didn't press the light. You know, I, I have one job, right? I mean, not really, but I got I got one major job, and that is go live. Yeah, it's. I mean, this is a live show. We we do this show live. Exactly. Right? There is no scripted anything. All I have to do is remember to press live but did i do it did i hell so anyway what you missed was that i basically went on a long ramble uh in the first two and a half minutes of the show just telling jack that it's great to be alive and i'm happy to be up and tuesday's going to be a busy day and blah 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 yeah and then i said that there's there's an interview tomorrow with a guy called brendan o'neill who i'm really excited to introduce to you if you don't already know him and he's been on my my like wish list of guests for a long time because brendan is the former editor of Spiked Online, which is a UK publication. He's also uh, a writer. He's written for The Spectator in England, a bunch of other publications. Very uh, erudite and smart guy who who really understands not only British politics, he's got a good handle on American politics, he's got a good handle on international relations, he's got a great feel for what the trends are in society, what's going on, what isn't happening that they're trying to tell us is happening. So all in all, fascinating. I think you're going to find him very, very cool. So that'll be our interview live tomorrow. 
which I'm excited about. Mm, sounds it's interesting. Just one, just one job. Just one. So, yeah, sorry. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Anyway, how are you? What's news with you? Ah, I'm fantastic, big guy. So uh, yesterday, last night to be yeah. specific, yeah. the Democracy Unplugged panel finally went live. Yeah. And, um, you know, it having the opportunity to host that discussion and then at a later stage getting to watch it was interesting to say the least. I think what I walked away thinking to myself was it's amazing how three intelligent people speaking about the same subject could have such differing perspectives. I think it, it's, it's, a, it's a really cool way of taking note of the fact that we are individuals living in a society, you know? And the, 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 the topic of discussion was democracy, but the thoughts were from different points of view. The perspectives were completely unique to each individual that was sitting in that chair. And it was genuinely a breath of fresh air. Um, I haven't seen anything like that in a while. So I watched it all live. <clears throat> and I have to say that these these three guys, and, and there are a lot of people who will find reason to disagree with all three of them. In fact, I have found reason <clears throat> in the past to disagree with all three of them too. Yeah. So it's Mighty Jamie, it's Cesar M. Poffer Walsh, and Penwell, the black pen. So between them, these three guys are, what I love is that they're all entries to the new world of media. Yeah. These are not old school, you know, as much as I love them, there are, there are a lot of people who've been in media for a long, long time. You know, your, your Tim Modises, those kind of people who really, they know their way around and they're yeah. very smart and they have some interesting points of view and, and they're battle hardened. The thing about these young guys is that they've still got that unbelievable passion and energy that you have at the beginning without any of the jadedness. Yeah. So, you know, you have Penwell and you were moderating it, by the way. So you also deserve an honorable mention because, you. you know, you get the conversation going. But Penwell, for example, I mean, you could see he's got, he's got wild left field ideas about stuff and he's willing to criticize things that nobody else is willing to criticize. Yeah. And I think he can get away with criticizing a lot of that stuff because he is a young black man who doesn't feel he owes anything to the previous generation. The hell of a good place to be. I mean, like you, you're truly liberated and able to speak your mind if you're him. So I, I, I love and appreciate that enormously. You got Cizwe, who's by no means an intellectual lightweight. Mm -hmm. And, and while all three of these guys are still got a lot to, to learn, I just love the fact that we were able to bring them together. I think for the first time ever, these three, it's the first time they've all three sat on one panel together yeah, and just talked about what they think this country could become, where they think we've gone wrong, um, and what they think we could do better, which is fantastic because then it's a, it's a positive discussion. Yeah. You know, it's something it takes us somewhere. It's not just three people mouthing off about how horrible the ANC are. True. And that's, I think that is the hallmark of uh, the people I find particularly interesting. It's not just about pointing out the problems. Anyone can say this is shit, that's a problem, that, you know what I mean? But if you do not come up with solutions, you are really just not that interesting. Uh, and what, what, what I found uh, particularly enlightening was the fact that they didn't all have the same solutions. We had to... As an individual watching that thing, you're going to have to come up with your own answers, I guess, 
from what they give you. So it's not just about you sitting there listening to what they're saying. You have to also use a level of critical thinking to figure out who's just saying things or who's actually speaking to the point. Yeah. yeah. Which I mean, there might be nothing that 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 really resonates with you in the first 10 minutes of it. Sure. But then later on it's going to be something that grabs you by the balls. Um, go and check it out on Podcast Party SA. You can find that on YouTube. Yep. Podcast Party SA on YouTube. We'll also attach the links to the show notes at the end of the show today. Mm. You can go and see it for yourself. But I, I think it will be interesting. You know, if nothing else, uh, for people who are already going, oh, well, I don't like uh, Mighty Jamie or whatever, because you've heard all three of these guys on the Burning Platform before. If you don't like them, do me a favor. It's good to inform yourself of what smart young people in this country are thinking. I consider them to be smart guys. I was interested in what they had to say. You might be too. Yeah. Just like you're interested in the analysis of, you know, old hands who've been at it for a long time or people who do market research or people who are out there surveying the population, political parties themselves. We speak to all the political leaders. What I like about this, these are three active citizens, the kind of people we all should be. They are taking part in democracy on a daily basis. They're interrogating things. They're asking why. They're going back to first principles. Mm. It's, a good, it's a good thing to inform yourself. Don't pretend that you already know everything and that you're not going to learn a damn thing because I, I guarantee you there will be one little thing that will pop out at very least. Yep. It'll make you think, wow, okay, I'm glad I listened to this. Um, by the way, we've also got Democracy 101 today, which I think will be pretty interesting. One of the, the most regularly asked questions uh, people ask me is, who do I trust for news? Mm. Who do I go to for a really accurate picture of what's happening? Because there's so much fake bullshit around. Yep. And we're all, you know, we're all like, what, who do you trust? Am I right? Mm. There's, there's a lot of voices and some of them aren't the most intelligent voices out there but i think because you know because of social media uh we we now have the ability to reach out to a million people in the matter of seconds so uh there's a bunch of people yeah. from different directions who come up with their own opinions on things and it it can be a little bit unnerving to try figure out who to trust and who to listen to and who not to uh but I'm I'm one of the advocates for listen to everything and then figure out what the truth is from yeah. both sides of the story. Give it a chance. Give yeah, it a yeah. chance. Pay attention. Yeah. Right. Pay attention to as much as you can, and then it, it won't take you long, by the way, to figure out what's nonsense. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you've if you've got even a slightly critical brain, and you mentioned critical, you said critical thinking. Yeah. Like just the ability to reason mm -hmm. is for some people, a, a pretty tough thing. I, I think the people who listen to us, the people who, who who get most of their information from podcasting, different kettle of fish, right? Yeah. I'm going to give the audience a, a compliment here because they deserve it. Yes, like if do. you're the sort of person who sought out a bunch of different shows that you're interested in that come from all over the world, uh, you might find a news network in India, for example, that gives you a much more balanced view of what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. Yep. Because India have a different list of priorities with respect to, to Russia and Ukraine. They're not entirely partisan. And that might be the best possible source for you to figure out what's happening in that part of the world. Mm. Amazing. 
Um, and, and the fact is, people who listen to us here are likelier to have 20 other sources of news and information. Yeah. I got a really nice, I got a great uh, message yesterday, which I just want to share with you because I love this so much. Uh, came through from somebody who listens to us, said, you guys said such, I mean, this isn't necessarily true for everybody, but this is what Wake Up SA said. You guys have set such a high bar for podcasts. None of the news broadcasts are watchable anymore. I'm struggling to find other quality podcasts to listen to. I've listened to your brilliant ones every day. Please, can you recommend any podcasts? So that's what we're going to be talking about in Democracy 101. Yeah. And it's it's... I think it's it's a conversation that we need to have now more so than ever before because we we are approaching a very interesting time in human history. Um, there's 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 so much we have to contend with that we didn't have to before, like uh, AI and all of this stuff. Like there's a lot going on. There's there's a lot of international treaties that might just be chucked out of the window depending on who uh, yeah. ascends to the presidency in all of these countries. So if you are not getting the, you know, some level of correct information by getting it from as many sources and then figuring it out for yourself, if you're not doing that, I think you're hampering yourself from becoming a upstanding citizen in the next couple of years. It's it's going to be of extreme important for, importance rather for all of us to be informed in some shape or form. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's, here's Colonel Chris Wyatt, who I consider to be a reasonably good source of information. I mean, I say reasonably good. I'm giving him too little of a compliment there because this guy gets stuck in and asks lots of people on the ground. He's been, he's been in South Africa enough times and he knows enough people in South Africa to have a variety of sources. What he does then is he, he, he conglomerates all those sources and filters them so that you can get the stuff that you really need to know based on all of the things that he's already asked people about. So, I mean, Chris, I'll give you a compliment because you're you're one of those people. He says, take it all in, figure it out for yourself. If you cannot, catch my analysis. There you <laughs> so, go. <laughs> yeah, you can pause it. In the, in it. Uh, Carl says, I'm a very critical thinker. I walk around the office telling everyone they're fat cunts. Lol. Okay, <laughs> wow, well, Carl. Yeah. Uh, Patrick also saying, uh, Colonel Chris is great. He watches the news every evening. At the moment, listen, I I listen to probably about six or seven different ten minute news sources on yeah. a daily basis, and they do and they do change, which is why I never give out like here's my list because I also sometimes will listen to somebody and I'll go, nah, actually this person's gone off the boil for me, or I feel like what they're doing is is propaganda. Because you sometimes get the feeling that they've they've been funded by somebody, or mm-hmm. there's something going on that you don't entirely trust. You know, you can tell if someone's doing something for love yeah. or for money. Mm-hmm. And 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 sometimes, rarely, R A R E L Y, rarely. Sometimes they'll align. Sometimes you'll have somebody who is doing something for good, and they love it, and they're able to earn money for it too. But they don't prioritize the the paymaster, mm. you know. Those mm. people, those people are rare indeed. So you get those. Um, here, for example, Helen says she listens to the Morning Shot, the Daily Friend, and Citizen Concerned. Very good. I I can tell you all three. I mean, we've had, you know, we've had the Daily Friend as a part of uh, our, our lineup for some time, and we we used to have their shows in the afternoon. We we don't anymore. 
but I think they do a great job. There's some excellent writers at the, at the Daily Friend. Mm. Uh, Morning Shots, Old Raman, who's very good too, um, and Citizen Concern. But I do think you occasionally, Helen, you sometimes have to listen to the people you don't agree with as hard as you listen to the ones you do. Yep. Like These guys that you mentioned are all terrific. But you kind of want to know what the other side are up to. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to hear, you want to hear the straight up leftist point of view, so that you can, you can argue it. You won't be caught, you know, kind of hanging by a thread when they bring their argument, their best argument, their yeah. their steam. You don't want to suddenly go, oh my god, my pants are down because I've never heard this argument against my position. I only listen to people I agree with. That's the the point of listening to people you don't agree with is to know exactly what they're doing. That way, you have a more specific way of ripping their arguments to shreds. Like, what is the point of half listening and then not actually having a leg to stand on? That's how you get pummeled in debates, actually, by not paying attention to the person you're listening to. Um, and truth be told, when you're listening to uh, or at least come across things that oppose the views that you have, it either strengthens your point of view or it actually absolutely demolishes it. So you have to listen to as many voices as possible. It's not just about being part of an echo chamber. Mm. And that stuff is boring. Honestly. But Jack, but Jack, you only have so many hours in a day. And and this sure. is the reality, right? So what we want to talk about, and, and the reason I'm, I'm, I'm kind of doorstopping you on that one is because we're going to get into this later on. We're mm. going to get into this in Democracy 101. We'll speak to somebody called Camilla Bath. And Camilla is a, a former journalist and somebody who I've paid attention to over the years because she does know her stuff. And she's now in Cape Town. She's a seasoned journalist, news editor. She's a consultant. She's also a trainer with 20 years of experience in global news media landscape. She will also be able to tell us what the point of view of the World Press Institute is. Because these guys... Look at all the different uh, news networks across the world. Um, and, and we can ask her. You can ask her all the questions you want to ask her. And we, we encourage you, if you're in the comments section uh, and you want to join in, to send us your thoughts, to like and subscribe, obviously, as well. Then your, your comment will get priority. But um, if you have a question for Camilla about these sources of news, so that you can you can really be on top of what's happening without having to, oh my God, read reams and reams of paper that frankly, who has the time for? Because mm. news, there's there's part of it that's essential to your survival, like a, a very small part of it. And then there's a there's a like a luxury element to news. It's like the only people who can truly pay attention to news at a certain level of detail are people who have a lot of time on their hands. Yeah. Let's put it that way. So I don't have that kind of time anymore. I prioritize this stuff because we can't I can't sound like a, I know nothing on the show. <laughs> yeah. Um and, and sometimes I mean I'll I'll be the first to admit if there's a subject I know nothing about, you know? When the TV shows that are going on that I've never heard of, I'm mm-hmm. the first one to go, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, and then Pumi or 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 Leanne or you, you catch me and 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 help me up. Um, because I don't know that stuff. Yeah. But there are people who are expert and that we should be listening to. So Honorable Dip says, Dipsy says, uh, Thomas Mabasso from 360 did an interesting story on me. Huh. Mm. Okay. Wow. Send me that link. Take a look at it. 
Thomas Mabasso. Should be interesting. Have you heard of him? Uh, I haven't, actually. Hmm. I have not heard okay, of him. Looking... All right, very good. Um, I was reading a, a story in the Daily Friend, actually, which uh, it, it may even be an old story. It's from July 29th, 2023, about the, um, the schools and what's been going on there in South Africa, schools and universities in this country, and, and the kind of nonsense they've subscribed to, which I think is very interesting. Um, and I want to get the author of that article on sometime soon, just to talk a little bit about what's actually happening in you know, South African education, mm. what people are being taught. Because I think there are probably a lot of people in South Africa whose kids are at school, and they just they leave them at school and they go, well, the teachers know what they're doing. Yeah. Not sure they do. And I, I'm not I'm not sure that you want to just trust the schools in this country anymore. Not just because the curriculum might be shitty, but also because teachers overwhelmingly have a political bias. And you know, the schools have become, I suppose, indoctrination camps in some way, shape, or form. So it might be worth getting into this and looking at what actually is happening. Yeah, and when I think about it, like over the past couple of years, I don't remember hearing um, any good news as far as teachers and schools are concerned. Like over the past couple of years, if it's not a child falling into a long job toilet, it's uh, the pass mark being dropped to 30%. It's 80% of uh, grade four students not being able to read. There's, there's, there's so, there is so many... Uh, there's so much negativity around what's happening in uh, our schools, and perhaps uh, there's a lot that we are missing. You know, mm -hmm. there, there there could be a lot of great things happening in in in, in uh, our schools, but unfortunately, because of the media coverage at this point, I've only heard negative things in the past couple of years. Truth be told. Um. Carl says State of the Nation is another really good podcast if you're into South African politics. Okay, so guys, keep your keep your suggestions for a little bit later. We'll we'll ask uh, Camilla and we'll we'll give her some questions if you've got any and we'll throw in your suggestions too. We'll get to that. We have so much to still talk about. So I saw you uh, wanted to discuss the death of um the the the, the kind of grandfather of the Rothschilds, yeah. uh, Lord Jacob Rothschild. He died at 87 years old. At 87 yes, you know, years. Anytime you talk about the Rothschilds, everybody's conspiracy theory hackles go up and mm. they're like, oh, God, that mm. family that controls the world. And yep. I mean, that's I don't know actually, where you want to go. That's, hopefully not. <laughs> that's actually why I wanted to go there. So I found it very particularly interesting. Um, the, the, the comments that came on the bottom of the article that I read. And as you would have thought, immediately everyone ran to, you know, uh, they are they run the world and wada wada, they always keep it in the family on all of this stuff. And then I came across a video, Gareth, <laughs> that kind of fed into the conspiracy a little bit. Um, James tells me that he's got it. James, can we play that video, please? Oh my God. All right, let's look at it. Let's check this out. Listen to what he says. Here we go. I've got it uh, here. In the, just give me a sec. You got it? Here we are. There we go. Okay. And Baron James was head of the Paris branch and the youngest of the five sons of R.M. Rothschild. 
gave an astonishingly uninhibited description of the 19th century Rothschild policy of keeping it in the family. I'll quote to you from what he wrote and make you smile. In our family, we've always tried to keep love in the family. <laughs> in this sense, it was more or less understood since childhood that children would never think of marrying outside the family so that our fortune would never leave it. You <laughs> couldn't write that today. <laughs> How were you wow. able to write Incest. that ever? Incest. Can Holy you imagine? <laughs> So, the well, <clears throat> isn't this how most privileged, in inverted commas, because that's a, a word that gets abused, but isn't this how most people in families who are politically and economically powerful, rich families, powerful families, political families, isn't this how they all behave? They try to keep the money in the family. You I, try to marry people who also have money. Sure. Isn't that how it works? I mean, you know, famously, every medieval European king, and here in South Africa, every king too, because the Dlaminis are related to the Zulu royal family. They are the Dlaminis, the Swazi royal family related to them. You've got all these relationships that that's what powerful people do, is they, 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 they marry off their daughter to secure a, an alliance with France. Sure, that 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 makes sense from a political standpoint. You're trying to um, make relations a lot better between those two countries. That that I can, you know, somewhat mm. make sense of. What was shocking to me is the fact that he, sure, he was quoting one of his family members who came prior to him, but like mm. to keep love in the family, they understood that as children. Like you are not going to marry outside of the family. I cannot imagine having to make my decisions based solely on whether or not uh, I'm going to keep the family name and the the wealth of the family within the family. But I mean, I'm also considering well, the fact that I didn't grow up in that kind of situation. So it, it, it well, has to think, be strange to me. I mean, the poor guys just died. So I'm not going to pile on. But how do you sure. think you end up with people... People who look like this, you, you that's, <laughs> that's inbreeding, my friend. That is what that is. That's uh, that's a couple of generations of people marrying within the family. I and mean, look at the look at the overbite. Doesn't he look like Mr. Burns from The Simpsons? Yeah, he does. He really. Right? I couldn't put my finger on yeah. it. You just helped me out with that one, Gareth. He does. And like, it's it's crazy to me, right? Because um, yeah. when 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 you bring up the the conversation of incest. A lot of our minds go to like people that are living in rural areas, you know, hillbillies and all of this stuff and people that mm -hmm. are seemingly uh, uneducated and aren't living of a certain, aren't living their lives no. in a particular standard. And now all of a sudden, one of the most powerful families on the planet, seemingly they practice the same type of incest. And for them, well, it's not all of a sudden. So the, the, the Ptolemies in Egypt, you know, Cleopatra, yep. famous Cleopatra, yep. Mark Antony and, and Julius Caesar, and the one who was eventually ultimately defeated by Augustus, and then Egypt, the, the Egyptian kingdom fell at that point. So right. Cleopatra was Cleopatra the seventh, and her family going all the way back to Alexander's general, the first Ptolemy, 
Ptolemy the First, the Great, Sota, mm. they called him, philosopher. Now, all of those Ptolemies, all of them, with just about no exceptions, married their own brothers and or sisters and produced children. And they would marry only within, exclusively within the family, the Ptolemies. They were, they were Greek. You know, there was that whole, um, there was that massive controversy a little while ago about, you know, having uh, Gal Gadot play Cleopatra in a movie. Mm, yeah. People said, oh, no, but she's not, she's not Egyptian. Well, what do you mean by Egyptian? Because the Egyptians today are Arabs. Mm. The ancient Egyptians were, 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 were similar but very, very different people. And you can see that by their own uh, representations of themselves. Yep. Uh, and then the, the, the pharaohs around the time of Cleopatra were Macedonian Greeks. Mm. They, didn't, they didn't even, I mean, eight generations back and Cleopatra is living in Macedonia. In yeah. northern Greece. Yeah. So, again, people don't understand this stuff. But in ancient Egypt, and this is not so ancient, we're not talking about Ramesses or Tutmoses mm. or Akhenaten or Khufu, Kephren, all of those ancient pharaohs, Josa and the Steppe Pyramid. We're talking about the end of the Egyptian empire, the end of the Egyptian story. And those pharaohs, Incest was it. That was what they did. Brothers and sisters, not not like you know, second cousins. cousins or whatever, like brothers. No, and no, 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 no. So it is legal in most countries in the world to marry anything further than a second cousin. Right. So second cousin onwards. So you 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 shouldn't really. It shouldn't be encouraged that you marry your first cousin. In other words, someone who the brother. I mean, that the, the mother or father is the brother or sister of your parents. You're right. Right, that's not on. Most countries, they don't like that. They frown upon it. There are places where you can still do that. But beyond that, it's cool. Beyond that, you shouldn't have any serious inbreeding because the, the genetic code becomes different enough yeah. for it to result in less problems. I just, but wow. I mean, don't be shocked because this is part of human history. Yeah, no, I don't look, like look. It. I, it's, it's, it is part of what we have. It's it's surprising to me, given how there's there's always pockets of people that do really well, and they don't always uh, come from the same family. There's there's multiple families that could have pushed one another in a very different direction, maybe even higher to where they originally were. So the idea that this man. <laughs> comes from a long line of brother and sister and oh man i don't know perhaps I'm, I'm a little bit squeamish when it comes to this kind of stuff but i found it absolutely fascinating to hear him say that like to hear him essentially quote one of his uh quote unquote ancestors and point out the fact that look man at some point we used to do this all the time it just made sense to keep the money in the family and it it goes to show just how important uh, money and status and standing is to us as people. Like, to, to go to the lengths that they went to, like, he's, he legit said in that video that we understood this as children. So mm. it's not something that you were raised, mm. or you, you turned 15 well, or 16 and they were like, look, you can't just date anyone you want. But like to understand it as kids 
means that it was institutionalized like this it was common behavior for them that's just how I mean, they lived this is also assuming that that your own family are the best people to share your money with they mm. might not be they might also be greedy sons of bitches yep you know they might be they might be the, the worst people you could possibly trust with the money because they will fight and squabble i mean you've seen brothers and sisters fight over inheritance yeah we all have a lot we all of know these stories it's all fun and games until the the will comes out and then yep. you know there's a scrambling if there's anything and i'm not talking about like millions and billions of dollars mm. i'm talking about people who will squabble over a piece of furniture oh no but mom promised me that or that's that's mine i claimed it 15 years ago uh, that means more to me than it does to you. Mm-hmm. You know how families get. It's it's not it's not a guarantee that it's going to go well just because it's in all. a family. Not at all. In fact, there are uh, tons of establishments across Soweto that were alive and well when we were growing up, but the moment the matriarch or the patriarch of the family passes, those those businesses now are just ghost towns right now. Like. And well, it's clearly because of the infighting that happens amongst family members. Yeah, they famously say um, that real wealth only lasts maximum three generations. Mm. It's, very, it's very rare. I mean, there are exceptions. Yeah. But it is very rare for money, big money, to last more than three generations, which should give everybody a little bit of breathing room because now you can go, well, okay, so if I I die and I leave my kids billions, uh, there's no guarantee that it'll still be good for my great grandchildren. Mm-hmm. There's no. It's amazing how people can spend money, right? And it's yep. amazing how quickly money goes, especially if you're the one who didn't make it. So, who knows? Uh, for for all you can tell, uh, some of the people who are sitting on on big piles of money now. Uh, next generation gone yep finished mm. uh, just worry about your generation and maybe the one that comes after you see what you can do for them but don't spoil them you know and then and then your, your job is done yeah you can't make it last forever you cannot rule from the grave no you and can't. the Rothschilds are a rare example of a family that has managed money really well they've invested in all kinds of places mm. people hate them because they seem to be um unbelievably gifted when it comes to to finance and managing money they've got houses all over the world they 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 have just i mean that surname seems to speak volumes yep. without anybody even having to to do anything and this generation if someone's called a rothschild you're like oh, they must have money yeah um and therefore people hate them and that's also nonsense it's it's I don't know. Like, there's there's a level of jealousy that comes there. That comes it's with that. Total, totally jealousy. It's, yeah. it's pure. It's bitterness and resentment. Mm-hmm. Listen, um, people will say horrible things about somebody just because they inherited a lot of money. Yeah, I'm sure that for every for every horrible heir to a fortune, there is someone who's truly a genuine, kind, lovely person. It's, I'm I'm sure of it. It's just, and I'm odds. sure that for every every poor person who seems virtuous and good there is a poor person who's a real shit yeah so it money just magnifies things it magnifies how how generous you are if you've got lots of it mm-hmm. and it magnifies how little you can do if you have little of it very true and it it, That's all. it does it, 
the amount of money you have does not speak to your character, right? It's it's just no. It's just a tool at the end of the day, and but how you use it. Inbreeding, inbreeding does. <laughs> Try not to marry. Here's the thing, kids. Try not to marry your relatives. It's yeah. probably not such a good idea. It really isn't. It re- your kids will not thank you for it. I can guarantee you that much. Right. Very good. My dad has the nicest screwdriver set. I've told my brother it's mine when he goes. I can't wait, says Oh, Carl. my goodness. <laughs> Carl, you need to be arrested. Like, I feel like we need to be checking out for your dad right now. We need to make sure he's okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's talk about some other things that are going on. Uh, we, when we talk about money, uh, South African sportsmen seem horribly incapable of managing money. It's crazy. Uh, you, you, hear story, you hear story after story of these guys, especially football players, end up being signed for, you know, in this country, we're not talking about the hundreds of millions that someone like Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi might get. Mm. But we've had our stars um, and we've got people who earn big money in the PSL, certainly more money than, you know, someone who works at a shop. Yep. And certainly more money than, than you and I have. And yet they just, I mean, that talk about money just going. And Those it's guys not, just never, never seem to be it's, able to. It's make. not just soccer players in this country. It's musicians too. It's, it's actors mm-hmm. and actresses who, mm-hmm. uh, you know, climb to the tip top of their, their, you know, profession. And we watch these people make un, like unbelievable amounts of money. And yet somehow yeah. when... That person passes on, we are then told to donate money for the funeral yep. and all of this stuff. And a part of me, when whenever I hear those kind of things, in fact, most recently it was Zahara, if I'm not wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. There was some sort of public outcry about how she was ripped off and all of this shit. And I, I had such a visceral reaction to it because when I was a kid, I heard the story about Lauren Hill getting ripped off by uh, her record label. And then a couple yep. of years later, there were a bunch of other examples. There were uh, there was this guy who used to uh, be signed to uh, Atama Fukate's uh, record label. Uh, Zombo mm-hmm. was his name. By the time he passed on, he didn't have a cent to his name either. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And it pisses me off how... Just because you got to a place where you were loved by the public, it somehow excuses you from being a an adult, right? Whatever yeah. industry yes. you're about right. to go into, whatever industry yes. it is, be it uh, be it public or not, whether you're in the private sector or in front of people's eyes, you have a responsibility yeah. to research as much as you can about that industry and how the money works in that industry. You don't... You don't get a pass just because we came to love you as a performer. No, I, I, I just don't buy it. And in 2024, we are at a point where we have access to information like never before. If you are going to sign a contract and years later, you, you then turn around and tell us that, oh, no, I got ripped off and whatnot. I genuinely blame you more so than the record label because the record labels have been doing this shit from the beginning. Yeah, you know what? I'm so glad you brought this up because it's going to happen again. There's going to be some musician or some sports star who's Mm. going to either find themselves on the bones of their ass or they're going to end up um, being buried as a pauper 
Yeah. And then we're all going to be made to feel bad about this. Like it's our fault. Like we turned our back on, on these people. What? We stopped giving them money. Psst. No, no, no. This happens in South Africa. You see it. Um, and, and I'm over it. I mean, like really and truly, just because you earned money once and you were unable to manage it doesn't mean the rest of the country needs to duck up because you've run out. Yeah, and you, you get to a point of notoriety because we spend our money on you. Those, those concert tickets, the albums that you release, or when we buy tickets to come watch you play, when we watch your game on television, all of that comes together and you get your share of that money. It's not our responsibility as the viewing public to make sure, one, that you use your money correctly, and two, if you don't use your money correctly, that we have to now go into our pockets again no. to pay not for your mistakes. No. We're not going to do that. I'm over it too. It's I'm done. Not, it's not uh, the, the 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 average citizen's responsibility to pay for anybody but themselves. Thank you. I wish that I wish we could get rid of this idea that some people seem to have that the public in South Africa owe certain individuals a, a living that we that we need to pay for you and your lifestyle. No, that that we're the parents and that you're the child mm. forevermore. Mm. You could be a fifty year old man and because you can't manage your finances now the people of south africa must suddenly help you pay for i don't know accommodation or, or rehab or whatever the hell else it is that you need Ugh. bull bullshit nobody Major. owes you a damn thing nobody no. nobody owes you anything and 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 this is you know where it comes from it speaks to people who who choose to stay in infant mm. their whole lives not mm. people who refuse to grow up yep people who are like I need, uh, you know, in football, for example, or if you're a musician, I need the record company or I need a, a manager to look after me mm -hmm. and to manage my money. Mm. I need someone else to make decisions about my finances forevermore yep. because I'll never actually become adult enough to take control of those, th those things myself. Mm. It's, it's absolutely fine that you get someone who's more responsible than you to look after that stuff. But at some point, you have to realize it's not their job to look after you yep. in perpetuity. You, yep. At some point, you have to grow up and be the adult in the room. And I, I'm not asking anyone to turn into a financial uh, analyst or a financial no, no, no. whiz, not at all. But if sure. your job is to make music, you can't just sit in the corner and say, no, I'm an artist. I shouldn't be dealing with these kind of things. No, get off your backside right. and read a book. Educate yourself about mm -hmm. something outside of what you are currently doing because it takes a lot more than just talent and drive and will to be an adult. Like you, you, there's a lot of things that you need to balance. Being an adult is juggling six balls at the same time, making sure that none of them fall. And in the event that one of them do fall, you have the presence of mind to make the right decision moving forward for your own benefit but you don't get a pass just because the country loves what you do no no right. I, I am sick of it i am absolutely i'm done with it uh because the reason i bring this up is the i think I, I, either on saturday or sunday um I, I came across this post on twitter about uh, a former mamelodi sundowns player uh, Lerato Chabang, who looks mm. a shell of himself right now. And uh -oh. 
we we are now being asked to show compassion and sadness and all of this stuff. Meanwhile, 10 years ago, if you had bumped into Lerato Shabango at the height of his fame, he wouldn't have spat on you if you were burning. And now because the tables have turned, all of a sudden we are now, we have to be compassionate and all of this stuff. Where was his compassion back when he had all of that money? Do you get it? It's just, it's absolutely insane to me. It really pisses me off. Shani, Shani brings up uh, Tusa Mutaum. Didn't he get well. fired though? Recently? Yeah, he got fired by, by the SABC last week. <laughs> mm. And and I remember he and Mamunta, his wife, were both in big trouble at, at a certain stage. Then it went away. Yeah. You know, eventually the tap closes, especially if you, you're not doing above the board stuff. Yep. Um, we have a whole class of women who neatly fit this category, aka slay queens with their blesses. Yeah, spot mm. on. Mm. And Mapelo says, Mapelo says, honestly, Jack, though those people get ripped off by their record labels, they still access a lot of money during their peak. Yep. Um, they buy sports cars, expensive houses, expensive lifestyles, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And they expect it to last forever. That's the whole point. They expect it to last forever. And it doesn't. It Nothing never has. Does. It never has. Right. And what on? It's 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 just a lack of critical thinking. We spoke about this earlier on. That's exactly what is missing in the middle of this conversation. Okay. I want to just quickly change uh, subject here because keyboard warrior says uh, Bukele and Millet, that's uh, the president of El Salvador and the president of Argentina, gave awesome speeches at the CPAC. That's the conservative. Um, money tank uh, yeah. in, in uh, America. Can we get a leader like uh, Naib ASAP, please, please? Mm. Okay, so uh, Bukele and, and Millet, these two are really interesting guys. Argentina seems to be on people's a- agenda at the moment, mm-hmm. for better or for worse. And actually, ironically, that gives us a great segue into today's window seat with travel.co.za. And we're joined by a familiar face, Monet Dupreer. How's it, Monet? How are you? Hey, Gareth, Mecca, and you? Good, man. Nice to see you. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, also, Ken, Ken Hill is here. Ken is the CEO of Drifters, which is a tour vest-owned adventure tour company. They run scheduled adventure tours across all of Southern and East Africa. He also arranges cycling tours and adventure motorcycle tours for small groups. So that sounds very exciting. How are you, Ken? Great, Gareth. Great to be here. Yeah, nice to see you. Yeah. And... Monet, of course, for those people who haven't clicked yet, is the CEO of Tervest Travel Services. Been on the show a number of times. So, Monet, you've just been to South America, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still battling a little bit with the jet lag, but uh, yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> Sorry. And we woke you up extra early this morning to come and tell us about Argentina. No, exactly. Okay, so- I'm in the studio with Jack. Where are you? <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Listen, I've, I've, I've also got some stuff this morning that I have to, but I believe you and I are in a meeting tomorrow. So, Monet, um, what's, what's South America like? I'm sure it isn't your first time there. And, and where did you go? You guys went to Brazil and Argentina or just one of them? Uh, both. And uh, unfortunately, it was my first time there. So, um, you know, I oh, went wow. in there. Yeah, went in there with like interesting expectations. You know, we they rated like us as a third world country. And, you know, you always expect the worst when people say third world country. Yeah. So I thought, yeah. you know, and you, and you see all of the interesting scenarios that they've had in the press, especially over the election periods and and you, yeah, you 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 make up your own uh, mind uh, about what you're going to see when you get there, 
And oh my God, was yeah. I surprised. It was totally different. Um, from the time that you actually arrived there, airport amazing, drive out of the actual airport, nine lane roads, not a pothole, wow. not one minute of load shedding, not one piece of litter anywhere. Those were the first three observations that I made there. Um, so yeah, totally, totally um, you know, different to what the expectation was. So where were you in Brazil and where were you in, in Argentina? Because I assume, um, you know, South Africa used to do a flight to Sao Paulo. I don't know if we still do that. I know Rio is the main tourist destination. And then we also have um, Buenos Aires in Argentina. Where did you go? Look, we went to all of those places. So, um, and we'll we'll go into a little bit more in a little bit more depth. But uh, SAA flies to Sao Paulo again, as well as Latam. But what was nice is, um, you know, SAA is also a lot of negativity hovering around uh, what's happening there, and are they back on track, and are they safe, and how good are they? Let me tell you, we had an amazing experience. The one thing I can tell you about, let's call it the new SAA, and and uh, the way that they operate, and, and, and Ken can agree to that, and we were fortunate to to travel up front, mm. um, so we weren't back like sardines. But the one thing that is really, really cool about the, the new SAA is the service delivery. All the way from the time that we got met on the on the curbside check-in, um, the service mm-hmm. on board, the the friendliness and the and the willing to want to please that the staff. That's that proper South African mentality that we have. The reason why I love being a well, I'm always going to be a South African and I'm going nowhere is because of that. And that was so great that yeah. we experienced that type of service again. So product good, food fantastic. Yes, I think you know planes need a little bit of a and they, and, I, and I know they've got a couple of new aircraft on on the line. Um, need a bit of an upgrade, but for all of the rest, absolutely superb. Well, that's a big update because, um, you know, we're always hearing the negative stuff in the news about SAA and how it's run and all the rest. But I'm, I'm very, very pleased to hear some good feedback there. And obviously, you know, a lot of these routes are routes that only SAA could do. So it's good to know that they're back up there and that they're trying to fight for their place and that the, the attitude is right above all else. So, Ken, what were you looking for in South America? Because you're obviously trying to find opportunities there for tour best things that you can run in those countries things that you could do there and and what kind of stuff did you find that you think might be interesting to south africans and that you could run for people from all over the world well gareth it's the second time that i've been across there and i must say i agree with Mono. absolutely mind blown we have these perceptions about south america and then when you arrive there and see that it's totally different to what you expected um, we went across, uh, firstly, to see how they do things, how they do tourism across there. Um, they're dealing with vastly larger numbers than what we uh, deal with in Southern Africa, which was uh, very interesting to see. And how they actually manage the number of tourists so efficiently was um, yeah, uh, really um, eye-opening. Um, we then obviously were also looking for opportunities in South America. I mean, Drifters is a well-known overland brand uh, glo- globally, and um, the logic would be for us to run overland tours in South America as well. And so that was something that I was certainly looking at. And again, um, yeah, traveling down to Patagonia, um, it is the oh, perfect wow. country for sort of um, uh, for mobile safari top uh, operations, and there don't seem to be too many of those on offer down there. So, yeah, certainly opened our eyes um, for absolute mind blow experiences for me. The Iguazu waterfalls are something else to see. Oh. 
the Moreno Glacier down on the southern uh, Patagonian ice cap, an absolute uh, indescribable experience. Um, Buenos Aires as a city, I mean, Mornay just said, you know, to travel through a city that's almost European in its mm. appearance, but so Latino in its culture and, uh, you know, totally safe for tourists to walk around in, not a piece of litter on the ground, um, really, really different to what you would expect. And then, of course, Rio with the carnival, not only the formal carnival, but the street carnivals. We were fortunate enough, we went up into St. Teresa and encountered an informal street parade, which, of course, we were wow. beer in hand straight into the carnival and having fun. It was an uh, absolutely amazing experience. So, yeah, I can yeah, certainly Monet, recommend it. Monet, what did you think of the carnival? <laughs> Look, I thought it was amazing. It's definitely, I think it's one of those bucket list items, you know, it's, you know, Gareth, you you travel a, a bit with us, and 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 you've been all over the world. And if you don't see things with your own eyes and experience it, it's very difficult to explain that to people. Right. You know, television footage and 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 ads don't really really portray the real pictures. But if you're there and you feel, you literally feel the atmosphere. It's that buzz. It's that you know similar type of feeling to a World Cup final, where you sit there and you can actually feel the vibe on your skin. Um, yeah, look, you know, one one amazing thing is is they cater for all all shapes, sizes. Um, no matter where you come from, I mean, we had Chinese in front of us that went absolutely tilt and started uh, doing the samba there, and guys in the in the crowd were teaching them how to do it. So, you know, unbelievable experience. Um, you know, really, really cool. Um, but you I know, just what want to show. I want to show a video quickly of the carnival. Just give people a little bit of a taste here. Take a look at this. having a party <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is an informal carnival on a Sunday morning so um, yeah. that we went to it was 11 o'clock in the morning and then you can everybody's got some kind of instrument and there's more here look at this and this was the, the final event of the Rio Carnival and that, oh. was, that, that was just unbelievable I mean it's like 8 hours of constant entertainment um, crazy crazy effort that goes into preparing for this was phenomenal that's that is a, that's that's what that's one of the floats on the on the street right at the carnival correct that's what the formal uh, we were fortunate enough to go to the winners parade which is a parade that starts at 10 in the evening and continues until six the next morning oh my goodness. with just endless floats and party and people coming past wow. i mean it is something else it is just indescribable can can you guys try um illuminate for some of us like what the importance of traveling like you guys got to experience this thing firsthand but some people are of the opinion that you know uh, I'm born in South Africa. I don't need to see anything else. Why is it so important for people to travel? Yeah, look, I mean, you know, from our perspective, it's it's most probably the university of life because mm. what do we see there? In South Africa, we live in our own world. Um, and we like uh, that familiar saying, we believe in our, our own shit. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we believe our own worlds and that's all with all that we see. And and we We've got no idea of how it operates in a in a different environment. Mm. So traveling all the different cultures, the food experiences. You know, people tell you about the the meat in Argentina. Well, let me tell you what: eat it and then tell me 
It is magnificent. Yeah. Every restaurant we went to, um, obviously I had meat at every restaurant. It was phenomenal. <laughs> and not small little bites. Of, look, for those vegans, you stuffed. Um, <laughs> not that <nice. laughs> a, a lot of greenery around um, when you go on your on your field trips. That's quite cool. So so, so grab a, a leaf or two there. But uh, yeah, it, 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 it is amazing. So to experience that. Secondly, the culture Hang and the on, people. I, I, just, I just want to quickly stop you here because I'm a big steak fan and you are too. I know wow. this. So. In an Argent, in a proper Argentine steak restaurant, you have like a green and a red thing. And when you've had enough meat, you turn it over and they stop bringing it to you. But the quality of that steak, I mean, they talk about Argentine beef all over the world. Mm. Did it completely blow your mind? You've tasted good food. Look, it, you know, for initially you think, you know what, yeah, it's a cool, it's a bigger steak. They prepared it to perfection the first time that I got it. And then the second restaurant was similar. And then the third one was, was similar. So then you realize... Listen, these guys have got this recipe right. It's not just the the one steakhouse that we went mm. to that's got it right. They've got the recipe right. And obviously, right. I think it is, one, the quality of the meat. But just the way that they prepare it is just phenomenal. Um, and, you, you you know, you order the meat and then you order your sides if you want sides or if you need sides. I don't think we ever finished our sides because the size of the meat is actually so good. And it's so, it's so damn good that, you know, you look at the size of the steak and say, Heck, I'm never going to finish this. Um and then, you know, before you know it, you have, and you didn't touch the sides. And as I say, well, vegetables are, are definitely not on the menu. It's not a priority. So listen, I just want to ask Ken about some of these things. So you mentioned the Iguazu Falls, which are absolutely magnificent. I've got a picture of that up on the screen now for those people on YouTube. Um, and, and these are on the border of what? Um, on Paraguay and Uruguay, right? I'm on, uh, close to Paraguay, but they're on the border of actually Brazil and Argentina. So ideally, if you fly into uh, Sao Paulo, you would take a flight then down to Iguazu on the Brazilian side. We viewed the falls on the afternoon on the Brazilian side and then crossed the border, which was a simple and quick border crossing. We actually then overnighted on the Argentine side and in the morning went mm -hmm. and had a look at the falls from the Argentine side. So... Um, yeah, magnificent falls, very different to our Victoria, to our own Victoria Falls, which obviously I'm a great fan of. But um, right. yeah, again, very interesting to see how they deal with the number of tourists that are that arrive there. And Gareth, one of the outstanding things about uh, South America is that they have huge numbers of tourists, but it largely is based on uh, domestic and regional tourism, which is something mm -hmm. Southern Africa doesn't really do properly. And um, that was an eye-opener for me, I must say. It sounds amazing. Mm. And it sounds mm. like they've really got their act together. Now, I know that Tourvest um, in, in Southern Africa and in East Africa, you guys have got your act together. You really know what to do there. And I think with Drifters, you'll probably start doing more and more business in places like South America. The other good thing, Monet, you can, you can stand up for this too, is it's, it's not that far. If you can take a direct flight, mm. To South America, it really is like a good option for people who want to head into a place that they might never have been before. I mean, you've traveled all over the world the first time you've been there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was, you know, I never had the need to go there because, you know, you always look at things that are closer, closer to home and, and Europe and the States are always where you want to go. So it was always that third world country that I, that I uh, had on the list there. Rio Carnival was on my bucket list, but I'll do it when I get there. And to be honest with you, mm. I should have gone there a lot sooner. And next family holiday, you know, might very well be there. And the interesting thing about those two countries is, yes, obviously Brazil's a little slightly more expensive, most probably double to three times the price of South Africa if you equate it and always measure everything against a beer. Um, mm. so, <laughs> so that's on the Brazilian side. But let me tell you, the Argentinian side, 
rand for rand, uh, same value for money. So beers must probably the same price. Here and there, you could, could get you know your food at cheaper than what you can get in South Africa. But steakhouse-wise, quality-wise, um, similar type of pricing. You know, even the accommodation pricing was very, very similar. So Argentina, very, very well-priced, um, awesome place. Brazil, a little bit more expensive, although it's just you know it's just a a, a drive across the border, uh, a little bit more expensive. But for sure, someone that you know that wants to do something different and see something different. The glaciers, for example, was was an eye opener. I mean, that's most probably the 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 best natural wonder that I've seen. And of course, we love Victoria Falls because it's it's close to home for us. But I promise you, if you see the glaciers, it's just unbelievable. It's it's a life changing experience. Ken, it doesn't even look real. I mean, this picture that you've got here of this glacier, and this is obviously in Patagonia, right? Yeah, that's down. Uh, that's the Mourinho Glacier, close to Old Calafate, um, for those that are. But you, you're quite correct, Gareth. It doesn't look real. It's incredible. Yeah. And the photograph doesn't display the magnitude of it either. You know, the, that uh, ice shelf is about 100 meters high. Um, you know, you go down to the bottom there and you get onto a boat and you feel almost insignificant next to that uh, ice wall. Mm. And we were fortunate enough to see a huge chunk break off and sink below and then almost erupt like a volcano in the water. I mean, honestly, one of the most natural, the most amazing natural wonders that I've ever seen. It's, mm. uh, yeah. Well, to answer Jack's question, and Monet already did, you can't taste the meat unless you go there. And there's lots of other stuff that you can't, you cannot get a feel for this unless you actually go and experience it yourself. So if this interests you and there's something in this that you want to try out, go to travel.co.za and there'll be a whole lot more coming from Drifters. There'll be a whole lot more coming from Tourvest and Tourvest Travel Services. Travel.co.za is where you will find it. So go along and check those things out. Monet, thanks for dealing with the jet lag and coming to see us this morning. Ken, lovely to have you on the show. And we will go and add Brazil and Argentina to our bucket list. Looks yep. like a hell of a good idea. Cheers, guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks very much, gents. We will check in with travel.co.za again in a couple of days' time to find out even more. And if you want to find out all about this particular trip and all the other great offerings, all you have to do is go along to travel.co.za.